0: Hello, Meg Linehan here and Steph Young and I are back for your instant analysis following the second day of group stage matches in Japan. The U.S. women's national team got back to their winning ways against New Zealand, but Groups F and G brought the vibes and the goals across the board, while Group E remained a little more muted affair as Canada and Team GB picked up wins. Before we get into it, you can subscribe to The Athletic for all of our women's soccer coverage and beyond. There's always a deal for you at theathletic.com slash full time. All right, Steph. Um, Let's just start. I mean... You look at the scoreline, 6-1 for USA versus New Zealand, and maybe if you don't watch that game, you're thinking, all right, well, that's that's pretty good, right? Um, that was a weird game, though. That is so wild <laughs> to say about a 6-1 scoreline that, like, yeah, it flatters the United States a little bit. Like... <laughs> um, it was a weird game. Like, a that's weird... what I've got. <laughs> Four goals in a row called back for offside. <laughs> So technically, the ball went in the net 10 times. But those four callbacks, like, it kept happening. So I'm sure New Zealand wasn't relieved, like, each time it happened. I think each time it happened, it just made it worse and worse and worse and worse. Thinking, like, eventually one of these is not going to be off. And that's what happened. Yeah, well, what was really funny is, and we'll circle back around to Roosevelt on that first goal that actually did count. But, like, you know, the momentum in that first half was so weird. I mean, I posted that. Otter trying to like jam the cups together right like that was the vibe of this game it was just like they were forcing things right and so Mm -hmm. like it really just felt like they've just got to get to halftime walk in with a, a one nil lead the offside thing will you know maybe they'll just get in everyone will take a breath it will be okay and then there's this really close chance from New Zealand, but then immediately at the other end, Lindsay scores, and it was just like, oh, or we could just toss all of this out the window, and this momentum shift happens, and they go into halftime, and okay, actually, maybe it's fine. Yeah, I didn't super enjoy that it was it was end-to-end, though, for, yeah. for periods. Like, it was end-to-end action. It's like, what's the point of your high press, you know? <laughs> What are you? What are you doing? Um, and they were really trying to exploit. Oh God, we'll get to it. I mean, we could talk about it now. Abby Dahlkemper, what's going yeah. on? Did I don't anyone, know. Did they break her? I don't. But I also feel like yes, we need to talk about Abby Dahlkemper. But like Sam Mewis has also felt kind of fundamentally broken all of a sudden. But like Abby Dahlkemper is the most glaring example where both. I mean, obviously Sweden. A lot went wrong in that game, but. In this particular game, some of the defensive miscues, like just completely losing runners from New Zealand was just like, w- what is happening? Right. It's just it It again, in terms of like uncharacteristic things that are happening, Abby Dahlkemper has been kind of just so quietly consistent for the U.S. Right. Doesn't necessarily get a lot of attention, but also the mistakes that are being made right now are not what we expect from Abby Dahlkemper. That goal, she looked like someone – I mean, she lost her footing kind of yes. after she tried to do the thing, but I I don't know. She looked like someone who was carrying like a really full bowl of soup and <laughs> was about to sneeze. You know what I'm saying? That's what it looked yeah. like, and I just – it could happen to anyone, I guess, that that kind of like fluke trip or whatever. But the clearance, the attempt at clearance was bad. And then going back to the Sweden game, it's still like really awful on two out of the three goals that she just kind of doesn't know what's happening around her or has lost track of the, you know, the players. And I think it maybe it's part of the general uh, brain problem that is happening with the team yeah. that we're we're all speculating about it. And right. Lindsay Horan herself, like I asked her directly in a press conference, like, what's going on? What happened in the Sweden game? Why did you guys all look at maybe three or four out of ten? She's like, we talked about it and we can't put our finger on it. Yeah. And it just really is interesting because, okay, so Sweden, they're like at a three out of 10, right? Mm-hmm. And then they come out against New Zealand and they're at a 13 out of 10. And it's just like, no, you got to dial it back. <laughs> it's too much. It's <laughs> yeah. too much. You've overcompensated, which I get, like like mentally, emotionally, I get completely flipping the switch. I don't want to necessarily blow up the source here, but we we did hear from inside the stadium that before the match... And I guess our, our producer, Michael, here will have to put an explicit warning language on this podcast now, but the U.S. Women's National Team, you know, chanting, fuck them up in the locker room before this game. Like, they have gone so completely far over to just being like, yes, you have to get a result, but also there was so much discussion before this game of, like, you have to return to the DNA of mm-hmm. this team, but then they just cranked it a little too far, and I think we heard that from from Vlako and Donofsky as well after the match where he's saying, like, okay, we wanted to play aggressively. We wanted to play intensely. We've hyped it up from the coaching staff and from the players, but then he said, but also that results in a little bit of impatience. And so that's where, you know, we've seen so much struggle for this team trying to balance so many things just both in terms of, like, trying to break figure out Sweden, right, but also being patient. And again, we saw the same kind of struggle in balancing today of needing that result, wanting to be aggressive, but also the balance on that patience was still very much out of whack. How many times has Vlatko said impatient to us leading up into the Olympics? That would be an interesting little otter search. (laughs) Um, Because a team that plays frantic or hectic or hurried is a team that you might guess is not confident, or or possibly under a strong amount of pressure, and you know feels a constant need to produce results, which would jive exactly with what this team has told us. You know the pressure that they're constantly under. Um, I'm I'm just wondering what's the mental side of the game here. How do you manage that? What's it like in the locker room, Lindsay Haran after the game? Um, Once again, we mentioned, you know, Megan Rapinoe against Sweden said it feels like we were playing tight Asked her looks like you guys kind of had similar related feeling against New Zealand beginning felt frantic and she said I think this game it was coming out and changing absolutely everything Our approach our mentality and doing whatever we possibly could to not have that same feeling starting the game being on our front Foot winning every battle having a physical presence out there I think that was the first thing for us and then everything else comes next and I wonder if maybe it doesn't need to flip for them, like get the fundamentals right, then the confidence comes and then you can, it's easier to turn up, like that intensity becomes more productive. Yeah, I mean, it is really interesting too, because I mean, you look at the rest of this tournament and I feel like we have had some truly kind of wild results. I mean, I was watching Brazil, Netherlands, right, at the same time, and there are a lot of teams (laughs) kind of (laughs) going through not necessarily the same problems that the U.S. Women's National Team are having, but, like, there are some games where we are really just having vibes and no defense and, (laughs) right? So I don't think that this is a a struggle unique to the U.S. Even, you know, Sweden-Australia, the other game from from this group, 4-2 result. Like, we are getting these back-and-forth battles. We're getting wild draws. Like... This is kind of everyone, and I do kind of wonder if it is this product of the tournament being delayed a year. Everyone has kind of had to hurry up and wait for it to happen, and now that it's finally here, everyone is just slightly, like, out of time in terms of the actual mental preparation, feeling like a cohesive unit. You know, I mean, we're talking about teams like New Zealand has not gotten any preparation time together. How do you feel like you are going to be mentally informed to be at top level for an international tournament like it just I think everybody is dealing with this to some extent but it is very surprising for the US women's national team because again like you look at the, the run up to the prep and you think about we kind of expected to see this sort of struggle when they were playing the Netherlands at the end of 2020 right like that's when you expected to see performances like this Where things are are just slightly out of alignment, and instead that game looked very comfortable, but now we're finally getting it. It's just a very, I don't know. It it's it's a very interesting thing to kind of look at within the context of the entire tournament. Maybe they got their load management wrong. They're peaking at they peaked at the wrong time. They they talk a lot about like you know, peaking and tapering and trying to get the team at the crest, right, for a tournament Mm -hmm. performance. And there's so many moving parts to that and the physical and the mental. And I just wonder if something was a little out of alignment, possibly also influenced by COVID. We know they have super limited staff for the Olympics, but so does everybody else. Yeah. So I don't know. 31 combined goals today across six (laughs) games. (laughs) It was (laughs) <laughs> all right we will get we will get to those other games in a in a few minutes because it really was just truly I think we had a slightly slow start to the day and then all of a sudden it was just like the entire day it was just like what if we went off the rails and it was fantastic um let's circle back around to Rose Lavelle um I know that there was I don't know I I'm gonna I'm gonna put this concept out there, but I feel like within the U.S. there is this concept that Roosevelt is always starting, right? Like, assuming she is healthy and ready to play, she will be playing. And she went abroad and played at Manchester City, and that stint was not successful for a number of reasons, but then it also prompted this kind of discussion of like, well, if she's not in club form, why is she starting for the national team? And then, I think the reaction (laughs) from us here in the U.S. was like, um... Well, A, that's kind of the Rose LaValle experience, but B, she's starting. Like there's no question. Right. Nowhere in any of our like Hanrying over this uh roster did we ever once doubt Rose LaValle was gonna make the Olympic squad. Right. The only right. thing that would have barred her would have been, like, God forbid an injury. You know? And even yeah. that has not prevented <laughs> them from taking some players. So Yeah, I mean I just thought, first of all, Obviously, the goal today also right foot from Roosevelt, which is not something we see mm-hmm. a huge amount of, which was kind of pleasant. But then, almost like immediately following that goal, she came back for kind of this huge slide tackle defensively, and I was just like, "Oh, okay." So Roosevelt just has big. I- I'm gonna do this all right now. Yeah, energy. And I thought that was kind of one of the stories of the first half is she was probably one of the stronger players again in that Sweden game, right? As we talked about mm-hmm. after the first game, her making runs through midfield and being like, "Hello." Is anyone else out here going to try or just, no, just me? Okay. Well, and we have seen that continue uh, against New Zealand, that she has been a very important presence for the U.S. Have you ever cooked a meal for someone and they didn't appreciate it? (laughs) (laughs) Apropos of nothing. But just that feeling of like, I made this good shit for you. I made all this like, sorry about the language warning again, but I made this (laughs) good shit for you. And then you're not hungry or you didn't like it or, or whatever. That, that was kind of the face that she made a lot during the Sweden game and who could blame her? She did it again in New Zealand performance-wise. She's so good at carrying the ball through space. She's great at carrying the ball and turning away from pressure. She's so good at picking out the outlet pass. She can break lines. She can shoot. Honey, she can do it all. <laughs> she can also not like... Hold up to physicality of games too. Yeah, right? she can like defend. Yeah. yeah, she she looks like <laughs> you know in the like Olympic outfits. Sixty pounds are wet. Yeah, she, she looked like someone had brought their child with them to the Olympics. They're like this, and this is our daughter who we let dress up in the uniform who is here with us at the Olympics, or like this is her prep school uniform with that <laughs> kicky little neckerchief. Yeah, yeah, just like you know, an extra in. Gilmore Girls at right. Chilton. Yeah. And then out there on the field, she she did some really clever tackles. She picked some pockets. She had the physicality, but it's like smart physicality. It's not brutal mm-hmm. physicality most of the time. <laughs> yeah. It is just again, in terms of midfield right at the moment, because there has been kind of this overall discussion of the midfield, and part of it was settled today by Julie Ertz coming back and playing a lot of minutes, right? Like 45 in the Sweden game helped a little bit. Julie Ertz gets to start today, and you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's how that's supposed to be working. Right. I was actually talking to some friends who are like, you guys have all the talent and money in the world, and for some reason, it just doesn't click without Julie Ertz. And my comparison was like, you know how NASA makes those really huge... Uh, telescopes, but they have to assemble the mirrors in a clean room because if a single speck of dust lands on them, then your whole image of you know the Horsehead Nebula is Fakakta. Like that's maybe this team sometimes like when you subtract Julie Ertz from the equation, they find ways to win, but maybe not against really strong opponents like Sweden. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think it is really interesting because obviously there there was quite a bit of discussion just with Julie Arts's injury of do you bring an alternate right which now is a full member of the the 22 but do you bring someone like Andy Sullivan right who can be that one-to-one and this was the I, honestly the same question that we had in 2019 too with McCall Zerboni right like do you bring a physical defensive midfielder as a complete one-to-one for Julie Arts. And we saw in the Sweden game, the Lindsay Horan to the Six experiment, which had been working, failed completely. <laughs> but now, okay, Arts is back. But then also, I do think, you know, and, and I think the conversation gets a pin put in it until after the Olympics, or unless something goes terribly wrong again. But like, what is the solution for after Julie Ertz? <laughs> when she is not able to basically be an iron woman for this team <laughs> i don't know maybe they could also shake up the formation to something that's a little less reliant on that space although like great teams tend to have great dms regardless of formation um i really i really don't know i also think they were a little hamstrung here though because they were picking these players when they still had the main roster and Mm -hmm. alternate structure. But if you know right away you have a 22-player roster, that's just one off from a 23-player World Cup, maybe that changes your calculus a little bit on who you think you can afford to bring if they don't have a ton of positional flexibility. When it's 18, the flexibility is magnified. It becomes way more important. But I was thinking about this because I had some other friends asking me, like, well, if Julie Ertz is out and Lindsey Horan is not doing it at DM, where do you go on that roster? Emily Sonnet? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Emily Sonnet as a six is going to give you the physicality, I would say. It's also going to give you the hives from, (laughs) like, stress. Yeah, but also, like, I think, you know, we have seen it. I think that would be kind of, you know, like, if you're going down the list of possibilities, Emily Sonnet is next on the list. Yeah. It does not necessarily give you... Probably the defensive coverage that you would want, but it does give you a chaos factor that I think <laughs> other teams are going to struggle with. So honestly, I don't necessarily hate it as an immediate concept, but yes, it is It is definitely like that. that is going to be, I think, almost like the Gotham FC viewing experience <laughs> of it might work out, but also you're going to be at 110% stress levels while watching it. <laughs> uh yeah. i mean it would it would keep me up awake <laughs> at times when i need to be awake i mean I'd... to be fair right now this is completely hypothetical but yes yeah. it it is definitely an interesting problem to problem solve at some point maybe not right now but maybe not right now yeah. i i mean the, the game was so weird to own goals yeah <laughs> I did enjoy, I think it was uh, Annie from Chicago saying, oh, well, we thought the Chicago Red Stars had four players on this roster, but actually they have five. goal has wow <laughs> joined the squad. Great, oh. great reference. Um, yeah, I mean, again, just a very weird vibe. I do want to, let's talk about first Chris Press, Alex Morgan coming into this game, and then helping that goal differential because that is obviously going to be a key factor. Um, especially after they had given up a goal to Betsy hassett right so again if we want to talk about momentum shifts <laughs> that 80th minute which Tom sermani referenced post game really was another momentum shift of there was this oh god they again have these defensive miscues to clean up but then fortunately the team was able to add on goal number four via press goal number five via Alex Morgan, and then goal number six, which is an own goal caused by pressure from Kristen Press. I mean, Kristen Press came into the Olympics looking like one of the most on-form players in the team. She's continued that. She might be a player to consider starting a little bit more. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that, again, so much of what we talked about before this game was, do you follow your planned rotation, right? And it's clear that there was maybe some slight adjustments, but not really, you know, it it is not necessarily a knock to New Zealand that I want to put out here, but like this was always going to be kind of a a dip, right, for the team. And so you Mm -hmm. have to navigate it successfully, but you also have to ensure that you're preserving players to be at 100% against Australia. So there is kind of this overall load management across the three games of the group stage and then heading into the the quarterfinal. But yeah, I think that there is something to, especially with strikers and someone like Kristen Press and Alex Morgan, right? If you're going to rely on them more in the knockout rounds, probably just letting them have this whole game and scoring a whole lot, probably not a terrible idea. I mean, Alex Morgan scoring kind of, now we're going to be looking at, does that open the door to more? Because... Before this, she kind of had been in a bit of a, I don't want to say slump, just a a, a lower scoring, like, per game average. Because um, everybody has slumps, but they're not really slumps. It's just the, the variance that comes mm-hmm. over time. So, yeah, I, we'll see if, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of knowing that you can. And then from that point on, you do. Or it could be... <laughs> It, it could be worse than that. She doesn't score anymore. I, to, I wouldn't. I'm not gonna put that evil on Alex Morgan. I take it back. The door is <laughs> open now. She's gonna score a bunch of goals. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. All right. Last thought on USA New Zealand. I do want to shout out the fact that we got Kat Macario and Casey Kruger in this game. Um, obviously as substitutes, but still. I think a little encouraging just to, you know, I think Tierna Davidson talked about this in the media availability in between the Sweden and the New Zealand games, but she was like, it was kind of important for me to get in there and get 10 minutes under my belt and, and get the feel of these games, what it's like to play in the stadium, how weird it is to be in these stadiums right at the moment with no fans though. Um, USA did have the joy of Dr. Jill Biden in (laughs) the stadium today, which I don't think they really cared about at all, but, um, having those two players get in and get a little bit of time in case they are called upon I think is only a good thing for this team. Now the question is does Lynn Williams make a game day 18? That's what I was actually just about to mention because we are now in the situation where 21 out of the 22 have dressed. And if Lynn never dresses and she's not eligible for a medal and that would be horrible. Absolutely. Yep. Like just on a human level. Yep. Like I I'm sure on a on a purely, like, theoretical, emotionless, detached <laughs> level, the players understand that, um, you know, if you can only dress 18, you're you you're picking players based on how you scouted the opponent and load management and all this technical stuff, and it's not personal. But if you're the only one out of 22, I don't see how you don't take that personally. <laughs> yes. Big, big agree. Um, you know, at least Lynn got Sam Ewis' terrible... Uh, Ralph Lauren suit jacket for the group photo, but I do think that, I mean, to be fair, I think that Lynn Williams offers something to the forward line that I think we have seen the team could use, especially as a substitute. Fresh legs, right? Right. Um, well, they're going to play Australia next, and... um Australia has been playing in a 3-4-3, which is ripe for someone like Lynn Williams to exploit, to get in behind, exploit the space. That's exactly what Sweden did to them, I think, on their Mm -hmm. first or second goal, where they just had the space there, they got the ball there very quickly, and they scored off of it. And guess what Lynn Williams can do really, really well? (laughs) Exactly that. Who knew? Who knew? All right, any other thoughts on this match before we move on to the rest of a very weird... Saturday morning. Maybe I'm just jaded, but like this 6-1 win didn't feel like a 6-1 win. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I think part of it is the first half felt just so bizarre, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and I think that the pressure was very evident and how it was affecting the match. Again, you know, we've, we've already talked about it, but it does... I think now the question becomes you have to set aside perfect. Like, that's the, that's also kind of the the terrible stress of an international tournament. Like, it do, you do not need to be perfect in any of these games. It does not matter. The, the challenge now is winning, and especially in these two group stage matches, running up the score as much as you can. And they did accomplish both of those things against New Zealand, and now the challenge becomes Australia. So, yes, it feels weird, but also I, I don't think that they're going to give a shit <laughs> if it feels weird or not. They're just not. Like, you know, they went too far in one direction. They've probably gone too far in the other direction, at least for the first half. And now I guess the question is, you know, like Goldilocks, <laughs> like, are they going to finally get it just right against Australia? Because also, honestly, then that's kind of when you would want to hit the just right temperature and DNA mm-hmm. for this team is mm-hmm. the final group stage getting a win that actually feels like a U.S. Women's National Team win and then moving into the knockout because also now the question becomes, like, are you getting the Netherlands? Or are you getting Brazil? Right. I mean, I think even if they lose, knock on wood again, and they end up with three points total out of group, there's still a scenario, I think, where they can advance because only four teams get eliminated, right? It's 12 yes. yeah. and quarters will have eight. So only four teams get eliminated. Yep. And I think, you know, so there's still a scenario. I think they are not going to lose to Australia, not necessarily. But um, but that win and the score, yeah, it's not just advancing. It's the mentality you take into knockouts. Um, and like you mentioned, positioning in the bracket. Yeah. To get the best that, possible road. You know, we, we have seen them in other tournaments as well. Get like weird results in the group stage too you know like picking up draws that they maybe shouldn't have in group stages like that sort of thing so i mean now the the thing is like i think the team very much understands like okay so sweden was the only stumble we're allowed to have and Mm -hmm. a it's it's also like affected our path forward but now the worst case scenario has happened and so again as long as it is not worst case scenario moving forward we don't care right <laughs> honestly it's just the energy of the whole tournament yeah yeah all right let's um you you woke up earlier than I did <laughs> <laughs> so I will let you take the lead on the Canada results since yeah. I watched roughly two minutes of this match and then also popped in for their post game so yeah I got the first half at the very least because You know, all the games overlap, and I had to go watch Sweden-Australia, I guess, to scout Australia, whatever. Um, But Canada-Chile, 2-1. Canada, I think, even though they won, and at least the half that I saw in detail, they looked pretty good, pretty disciplined. They're playing a, um, a 4-4-2 diamond attacking, and they looked pretty good, or they looked mostly good executing it. They still gave up a goal late to Chile. They're winning games by like one goal here, where maybe they want to have a more comfortable margin than that, particularly against a team like Chile that Great Britain just, you know, pretty much dominated. Um, You know, Chile has their, uh, they have they have their strengths. They, you know, are in it to the end, as we saw from them getting a goal back. But I. I feel like this is a team that Canada should have done better to control in the midfield. I think Canada also does a little self-sabotage with not setting themselves for the highest XG shots, not taking their chances, kind of fumbling the bag in the final third. So they do look okay. And if they can kind of do that thing where they manage tournament load to peak at the right time. Like without washing out, maybe they'll just get better and better and better. Um we'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, that's always I mean, I feel like that is kind of the story of this group stage so far. It's just like we'll see how this goes for pretty much everyone. <laughs> uh, except for Sweden, who had a pretty solid result. It there was you know, it was kind of back and forth at the start there. Um But end end result, four for Sweden, two Mm -hmm. for Australia. Um, Sam Kerr obviously had most of the play run through her. But one of the things that I did want to talk about is, you know, Sina Blaxinius has been extremely crucial for Sweden so far. Came in as a sub today and then had to come off after, I believe it was Alana Kennedy kind of got um, her cleat right to, like, where her foot meets her ankle. It looked deeply unpleasant um that has to be a concern for sweden but they also probably have a chance to give her some time off in that final group stage match against new zealand but what did you what did you see out of sweden this morning well out of sweden specifically um they looked fine ish they honestly started a little like uh like where was all the energy you had for us? again? They sat back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They pulled back. Which also, like, okay, maybe that makes sense. If you're scouting the United States as your toughest group, they have their own, you know, roster rotation concerns and and load management. So maybe, yeah, maybe don't come out looking to (laughs) knock somebody's block clean off. Um, But, yeah, they once it started going back and forth, I think they're like, oh, we can't we can't let this happen in their Swedish accent. I can't do a Swedish accent. (laughs) Um, I won't even attempt. No. And then for Australia, if you want to live by Sam Kerr goals, you're going to die by Sam Kerr non-goals. Sam Kerr had two golden opportunities to either put Australia ahead or like get them level. One was a penalty that Lindahl saved, but you know, it wasn't the greatest penalty in the world. And there was another one where she was in on goal. She had Split the defenders and was like in, and she just shot it low on the ground, right at Lindal again. Yeah. Um. So it was like this, you know, weird dichotomy of her total genius and then like her total. Yeah, I mean the kind of high variance of the life of a striker, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is kind of the the curse of. Okay, two goals, but also the penalty kick I thought was not great, but I also think Lindahl was pretty impressive making basically like a mid-air adjustment to make the stop with her legs. Like there was a chance that could have probably gone in, but Lindahl is obviously a a pretty solid international keeper. And I thought that the the adjustment mid-air was actually pretty pretty decent. Um, Yeah, I just think for Sweden, they did sit back. A little bit, so it is going to be interesting to watch their approach to the final group stage match against New Zealand because I think they could potentially invite some additional pressure from New Zealand and really kind of sit back in this one. And we're going to see multiple approaches, like basically a game plan for every single one of these group stage games from Sweden. Yeah, and I I think that that is that's a that's a good develop You know, like Sweden. Is arguably one of the teams to beat now. Yeah, I think they're the team to beat now. I think they are the team. Sorry, United States, but yeah. In another, (laughs) all right. Actually, we'll we'll save Netherlands Brazil for last because that was truly, (laughs) I think, so far the game of the tournament. So we'll we'll keep it for last. But let's let's go to China for Zambia for if we want to talk about just. I think that game is probably one of the ones that <laughs> encapsulated the chaos of Saturday pretty well, but we need to talk about Barbara Banda ag- again. You Coming need to, to get th- on the Banda wagon. <laughs> Thank you Jen Hildreth. <laughs> the Barbara Banda wagon is so good. Like <laughs> ooh wee. Yeah. Um she plays in China in Chinese club football right now um, and apparently is having a, a great time as a striker there too. <laughs> but once that contract is up, I certainly hope somebody makes her an offer with like a suitcase full of cash. yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean I think you know there's always at least a breakout athlete or two from these tournaments and she is running away with that title for the for women's soccer just like far and away the story and you know i thought when i was doing research for zambia um ahead of the tournament starting what i have found really interesting is that they were just so confident like we qualified for this tournament we played our way in we are going to play our game in this tournament right like we do not give a shit if we are ranked 104th and like all of that goes out the window we are there we deserve to be there and obviously the the scoreline against the netherlands 10 to 3 but There's no, there's no fear. There's no, like, they are just here to play. And I think that with, again, there's always this discussion about investment, right? There was even some discussion of this from Chile in the post-game conference of just, like, we are at a disadvantage when we come into these tournaments because of investment and time together and all of these things. But Zambia, I think, has been just truly impressive from every level, but also Barbara Banda has just absolutely excelled on this stage. Right. Think about that Chile. I mean, the uh, the Netherlands 10-3 game where that three, I think, is a really important number to focus on. Any, any minnow or smaller or underfunded team coming into this could be forgiven for just turtling up and trying to mitigate the damage and maybe they poke one back when they venture out. And Zambia did none of that. They're like, look, we've got this, like, Kick ass striker. Um, we've got the ability to get her the ball, and we're just going to break out as much as we can. We're going to attack as much as we can. We're going to just play soccer. Yeah. And there, there's no like. The, this team is, I think, what it looks like to truly play unafraid and to just embrace playing soccer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we talk about you know, in women's soccer, these teams getting major tournament experience and and using that to help launch further development. And I think Zambia is in a really great place from this group stage, like a very, very good place on that front. But Barbara Banda in particular, I think, is going to benefit from a club point of view as well. From China, you know, I think China probably walked into that game thinking – Okay, and and they had a lead for a while, and then it turned into this very back and forth affair. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe there's a mental aspect to it, where you're like, okay, this is the game where we pick up points, and then this team just refuses to let you do that to them. Yeah, So you're just kind of like, and they're like counterpunching you. And so all of a sudden, you're the one who's like on the defensive um, a little bit mentally anyway. China at least was scoring. As yes. opposed to you know their game before this, so maybe we'll, we'll get another round with like thirty to forty goals over six games. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Team GB um, defeating Japan one nil. Ellen White again, the goal scorer. Um, not, I mean, this was this was probably one of the tamest games of the morning, honestly. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's great that the Host Nation had a game where they kind of looked um, hesitant or not quite sure how to deal with things or I don't quite know. I can't quite put my finger on it. I really can't. But just, you know. Yeah. I mean, I feel like for, for some of these teams, Again, we've we've talked about it a lot for a lot of different teams, but I do think that there is just kind of this challenge of clicking and again, Japan has been kind of stuck in this rebuilding phase for a while and we've been waiting for it to pay off and waiting for it to pay off. And it does not really appear that this is going to be the tournament where it pays off, which is unfortunate as they are hosting. I wonder if Japan kind of didn't get the benefit of all the like the U twenty U seventeen level work that they were supposed to get in twenty twenty as as a country that maybe um, was looking more to its pipelines uh, to feed our youth teams and part of the rebuild. I don't know. Yeah. Everybody had the same twenty twenty though. Kind of, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes and no, but yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. yes and no, and then yeah, maybe other teams weren't as as explicitly in the rebuilding phase either through twenty twenty. So, all right, Brazil, Netherlands. I'm going to be as predictable as everyone will expect, and just start with exclaiming the names of Marta and Davinia. But what? A ga- like just, I mean, I think generally kind of the tournament or the game of the tournament so far, at least in terms of like <laughs> two teams truly going at each other. I think just, first of all, Midima's like first goal was incredible super early on, right? Um, we think Brazil is going to get a penalty kick back. They do a VAR check, does not happen. <laughs> then Dibina, Equalizes. Marta does eventually get to take a penalty kick. Ludmilla scores for Brazil. But I also really, really want to talk about this uh, Jansen free kick for the Netherlands, because that definitely has a shout for goal of the tournament so far. Um Tragically, this is like the one goal I've not seen yet because <laughs> of the way the games were stacked and the yeah. way I had to time the nap that I took before the United <laughs> States played. I watched enough of it to see Marta do some great Marta level stuff, like uh, you know that how Ron Swanson giggles in Parks and Rec. <laughs> yes, um, Marta literally made that bubble up out of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know that. <laughs> And yeah. but I had to do it really quietly because it was early in the morning and my wife was still asleep. So Yeah. Um it I just think that, you know, we have been waiting for Brazil to reach their full potential, right? And I think the Netherlands could have been a trap game for them, right? They they're coming off this really good I don't want to say easy, but like a very dominant, dominant yeah, okay, very one dominant, break, yeah, very dominant 5 nil win, right? And so I think it's easy, and then they immediately go in the hole, right? Like one nil. So that's where I think the mentality piece really is different for them in a very positive way of you get that goal scored on you where it is this perfect turn, perfect touch, perfect finish for Miduma, and then to keep punching back and yes eventually they were on the wrong side of Jansen's free kick which ended up being the equalizer but i just think that i don't i i feel like you know Brazil has gotten a lot of attention as a dark horse in tournaments over and over again but Brazil coming out of this group it's going to be really interesting to see and now for them it really does come down to this third game for both teams to figure out who's seeding first and likely facing the US Women's National Team and who's seeded second and facing the winner of the other. So like, it's, it's definitely um, interesting times for this group, just. You know, yeah, I mean, so uh, what is moderately interesting, but probably is more coincidence, so groups um, G and F were the like just vibes? All those <laughs> games were just vibes. <laughs> yeah. Um. All of those games had at least six goals. Every single one. <laughs> um. It was like low end was six and high end was eight. And then Group E has a combined four go- goals total between the right. two games, and they're both one goal margins. So, I is Group E like is it either the most balanced or is it the most boring group or both? <laughs> both. Could be both both? again. Why not both? All right. Um, We are closing in on a good 40 minutes of post-game talk, so let's think about final comments before we both get to consider sleeping again today. Um, I guess heading into final day of group stage now, obviously we're going to be watching USA versus Australia, but you know, I do think that group F now is kind of the group to watch. Okay, Brazil-Zambia, come on. How are you not salivating over that matchup? That's going to be a great game. I'm worried about Netherlands-China, though. Like, I'm worried for China in that game. But Netherlands, like, Zambia exposed them, you know? And maybe China can do the same. I The more I see out of Netherlands in that group, the more I'm like, oh, maybe they're kind of moving down the power rankings a little bit. But yeah, Brazil, Zambia, tasty. Yes. Uh, but in Group E, Canada, GB, yawn. That's going to be boring probably. <laughs> Even though I'm going to be very invested in it emotionally, the actual game, yawn. Chile, Japan, yeah, that one's also gonna, <laughs> I think going to be boring. New Zealand, Sweden. So sorry to New Zealand. Ugh. Yeah, they, they looked so rough after the game. They looked really yeah. Like, devastated. Yeah, Two it was goals. not. It was not. It's just a very rough result. For it. Like, I, I, we knew that they were going to have an uphill battle going into this tournament, just not a lot of time together. Obviously, there was real frustration before the tournament started from Tom Sermani about not getting Allie Riley and Abby Erseg in with the rest of the club. But it's just, it's just not enjoyable for them mm-hmm. at all. And especially, like, again, to have that momentum shift in the first half for New Zealand from that almost equalizer to then going down to nil It's just like we're the two, you know, sliding doors moment for New Zealand of like maybe we're gonna get some dignity out of this group stage to no we're not. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then USA Australia, I don't know. That could be cagey or it could be another four two game. We could just have vibes. I feel like we're gonna get vibes. I I could deal with that. I I could deal with just vibes. This is this is truly <laughs> Minus Group E, an Olympic tournament of just vibes. (laughs) That's fine. We deserve a a vibe tournament after... It's been a rough, like, 18 months. Yeah. So. All right. Well, until until the next time, I guess that's Tuesday. We will be back. I'll be back on Monday, but I expect you will be back with me on Tuesday. Yeah. I didn't know today was Saturday. And that sums up the Olympics <laughs> and our experience. Thanks for tuning in to our Olympic coverage here at Full Time with Meg Linehan, And thank you again to Steph for being the go-to for these game day breakdowns. You can follow all of our Olympic coverage at The Athletic. You can support our women's soccer soccer coverage by subscribing at theathletic.com slash full-time full-time does not exist without the work and support of senior podcast producer michael zimmerman i'm meg thanks for listening and i will be back with you on monday as we look to the final day of the group stage